and good morning, church. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, I realized I forgot to introduce myself before. My name is Troy, uh, and I am privileged to serve as the pastor of Victory in this season. Uh, I also forgot to mention one other thing that we have the opportunity to, to celebrate. It's a, it's a little bit late, um, but Bishop Brett Fuller, who is uh, the pastor of Grace Covenant and our sending church, uh, published another book. Uh, the book is called Higher Ceilings. Uh, and it is specifically about uh, women in ministry. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I, I looked and realized it was published, so I did order it. Uh, it's it's going to get here on Wednesday. Um, but Bishop Brett uh, is the person who led the congregation out of which victory sprung. Um, Bishop Brett is the, the one who, uh, who in some senses, uh, called uh, Pastor Paul, uh, or when Pastor Paul called, said, "Yes, I will. I will work with you. I will uh, pour into you for years. I will support you uh, as a mentor and uh, as a financier to get victory started." Uh, he's not here all the time because uh, he has a 5,000-person church in Chantilly, and frankly, he was here before. Uh, the pandemic has meant it's it's difficult for him to to come here. Um, but in a very real sense, he he cares for this church. He loves this church as if it is his own, uh, and he has consistently given to uh, to this church. Now, when I'm talking about Bishop Brett, I'm saying Bishop Brett, but I really mean all of Grace Covenant, our sending church. For indeed, to this very day, um, they still pray for this church. Uh, if I asked who was on our prayer calls, I would probably hear that there were folks from Grace uh, on our prayer calls. Uh, to this very day, uh, folks at Grace give financially. Uh, and so I want you to know uh, that in a very real and a very practical sense, uh, we are part of a larger body and a larger church family who is pouring into us. Uh, and so I just want to take this moment to say uh, as publicly as I can, um, Bishop Brett, congratulations on, uh, on, on your new book uh, and on speaking to this very particular topic. Uh, I, like I said, I haven't read it yet, um, but I believe that it is uh, an important topic uh, and one that um, Bishop Brett call, felt called to, to speak into. Let's turn now to the word. Uh, our scripture readings this morning will be from the book of Luke. Uh, we're going to read together Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Uh, and then we are also going to quickly read a passage from Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through uh, 11. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 through uh, 11. And while you are turning to Luke chapter 11, uh, I will say that uh, if I were to title uh, this sermon, I would call it Talking About Prayer. Talking About Prayer. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. Uh, as has become our custom, uh, if you are physically able, just ask that you stand as we read the word together. Uh, I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. 
He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Or is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Turning now to Daniel chapter 6. Verses 10 through 11. Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in its upper room open toward Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him, just as he had done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. The word of God and the word of strength. Let us pray. God, grant us this morning your presence and, Lord, your voice in our hearts and in our midst. Speak to us so that we might see you, that we might find you, and that the door might be open. In your name, amen. You may be seated. So uh, we are in the sermon sermon series by your spirit. Uh, I am incredibly excited about uh, this series and excited to uh, continually hear how God is speaking to you uh, in the midst of this series. Last week, uh, we talked about the idea that prayer can be like taking a dive into the depths of your real history uh, and to go on that journey, to go on that drive, you might need a guide because you can't speak the language, it's beyond your understanding and it's only sensible, it's only uh, appreciable with your five, sentence, your five senses rather um, because of God. Uh, and we talked about the idea that prayer and faith is necessary because 
uh, allows us to connect to God, allows God to connect to us, and ultimately allows us to connect to ourselves. Uh, the prayer is the only way by which we may dive into the fullness of who we are and what God has called us to be. And yet we find ourselves so easily swayed from the reality of uh, prayer and we acknowledge in a very real sense prayer is difficult. I remember when I was a kid, uh, confession is good for the soul, I'm accused of saying sometimes, when I was a kid I used to have experiences in my life, I can't remember them now, um, but I'd hear my mother say something or I'd hear a friend say something and I would want the entire story, right? I would want to know what they were thinking. I would want to know what they were feeling. And I would say to myself, I'm going to remember this. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God. And I'm going to get the, the, the full story. I was so excited about the opportunity to go and talk to God one day and to say, God, tell me the inside scoop. Tell me what that person was thinking. Tell me what was going on. As I've gotten older, uh, the questions indeed have changed. Uh, and so I ask questions like, I don't hear the answer to this prayer, God, and I've been praying it for so long. Are you there? Do you answer prayer? Or I meet a friend, uh, I'll call him Caleb, uh, who, who, who was literally pronounced dead as a child who... Who, who, who drowned literally and was pronounced dead and uh, whose father came and prayed and uh, and did CPR and after an hour was brought back to life. I met Caleb 20 years later after that, that incident. And yet, when I prayed, no one's come back to life. And if we were honest, there's lots of questions we could ask. And if I were honest, the truth is that I don't have all of the answers to your questions. Right? I'm just the interim guy, right? I don't have all the answers to your, your, your questions. Uh, but I do believe that God might have the answers. I think that prayer is vital and important. And the question is, how do we access the depths of prayer. Uh, and I want to suggest to you this morning that one way we might do that is by talking to God. Talking to God. The first T in talk is for technique. And, and, and it's funny, uh, I don't golf, but I've seen some folks who have a, a, a beautiful golf swing and I've looked and I wanted to walk up to them and say, hey, Jeff, Teach me how to golf. And I imagine with my sanctified imagination that that's just what the disciples did. Uh, they saw John the Baptist and, and those who were following him praying. And then they saw Jesus going off afar every day and praying. And eventually they looked and they said, whoa, whoa, hold on, Master. Teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, we want to learn how to pray at your feet. Show us how to do it. And then Jesus responds with how to pray. 
in, in the Luke conversion from the New Revised Standard Version, as I read this morning, uh, Jesus says, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, we can pray, uh, but we need to direct our conversation. We need to direct our prayers to the right place, to our Father. Father being the one that we have relationship with. Uh, hallowed be thy name. I respect and reverence who you are. So in approaching this moment, I simply know who I am turning my conversation to. We can have conversations with lots of folks, but in this case, we know that we need to turn our conversation to God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven when we know who we're praying for we ask for god's will to be done <laughs> our father who is in heaven who did come down in the form of jesus christ and dwelt among us the word became flesh and it did it did come down and dwell inside of us that's the holy spirit but our father you're in heaven hallowed be thy name but i want your will to be done on earth as it is in Heaven. Imagine how powerful it is that God created us with a free will and we say, I acknowledge who you are and I say not that I want my will to be done, but I want your will to be done. With my freedom, I am choosing to invite you into this place and into the into my midst. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we have said we have taken our will and want your will to be our will. We want your vision, God, to be our vision. We want your walk, God, to be our walk. And now, give us this day or each day our daily bread with our focus on you and with our, our, our hearts in a very real sense turned over to your will. Now we ask for what we need, but we are asking in prayer for what we need with the orientation of doing that with God's will in mind. And you might imagine that there could be a melding of our will and God's will. Because we've asked for our needs with his will as paramount. And now, Lord God, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of the ways in which uh, we have become separate from you and from our brothers and sisters. And indeed, in that, we need to forgive how we have trespassed against our brothers and sisters. And Lord, do not bring us into a time of trial. Put your hedge of protection around us, God, so that we can walk and move and have our being in this world according to your will. When his disciples came and asked, when his disciples came and asked, teach us to, teach us to pray, Jesus said, I'll pray like this. Jesus said, recognize me. Uh, follow my will. Ask for your needs. Ask for 
forgiveness, ask for bread, and indeed allow in all of this for us to find you. And if you think about that orientation of turning our prayers and our will and asking for God's will to be done, we are in some senses asking for the Lord our God to flow through us. We're asking in a sense for the Lord our God to walk with us. We are in a very real sense saying what C.S. Lewis said in the quoting here, how true that our prayers are really his prayers that he speaks through us. And, and indeed, we are trying to come to a place in technique where we allow the Lord to speak through us, that our conversation up becomes a conversation back down. Technique. The second thing I came by to tell you or think about this morning is our approach or our orientation to the world in prayer because prayer is a technique but prayer is also an approach or a, a, a posture it's a, a willingness to ask and to see that it will be given or to seek and find out and find uh, it's an opportunity to show persistence in prayer how can I make this plain I think I can make it plain by diving into the scripture this morning because Jesus speaks so eloquently about this idea you have a friend church you have a friend and he comes to you in need and you don't have what that friend needs in this case we're talking about a little bread but a friend comes to you asking for a little bread and you don't have it how many of you have been in that situation i know i have you just don't you just don't got it uh, it might not be something physical, it might be something else, but you don't have it. Uh, but you want to go to the one who does have it. So uh, you go and you knock on your other friend's door at midnight. The knock at midnight. And that friend says, hey, I've locked the door. I'm in my one room house. My children are all asleep. Friend, I feel obligated to help you out, but I can't really do that right now, right? Uh, it is, it is a big ask or a big request. And the friend that you're asking says, I, I can't disturb all of my family and my kids in the middle of the night to give you bread. I want to give you bread, but, but it just isn't going to work out of the obligation of friendship, that friend may not answer. But if you are persistent, if you are persistent, that friend will stir up the household, wake up his entire family. Remember, it's a one room. He, he can't get up but without waking up the entire family. will open the door and will give the bread, not out of an obligation of friendship, but out of the persistence of the one who asks. Now let's hold on to this for a moment. What do we mean by persistence? Because it matters. If you aren't persistent, 
if you are not concerned, if you are not worried enough to be persistent about getting these three loaves for your friend, then asking continually for your friend with the loaves to do it, right, is a big ask. He's not doing it out of obligation. He is doing it because you are asking. And it's not without sacrifice. It is toppling the very structures of his world in order to give you what you, desi what you desire. But he'll do it if you desire it. And if we who uh, have propensity towards evil, who have propensity towards sin, will do that out of persistence, then how much more will our Heavenly Father answer when we authentically and persistently ask for what we need? Because he's doing it partially because of your desire for it to be done. Now we put together the T, the technique, and A, the approach, we might find that if we turn our hearts and our orientation right towards God, then our desire is actually flowing out of his desire. And if that's the case, then God is going to answer the prayer. So I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If we ask God for good things, will he give us bad? The answer here that Jesus say, is saying is no. Now, if we ask for something, God may not give exactly what we ask for. But he will not give us evil. Your Father, Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. When we ask God for things and when we approach our God with an orientation that he will provide, our God indeed will provide, even if it's beyond our understanding, even if his response to, ah, I've got a pain in my side is, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Even if the answer isn't what we expect, he will answer. And more than that, he answers continually with his Holy Spirit that came to dwell inside of us. If we ask, he will provide. And we need to trust, although it is difficult, we need to trust that indeed he is providing even when we don't understand it. It's how a Thurman said, 
Prayer is at its best when the soul enjoys God and prays out of sheer love of Him. Prayer's technique, prayer's approach, prayer's also a lifestyle. And I encourage you, especially in the times where you might feel a little dry, uh, to make prayer a consistent part of what you do no matter what. To ask for bread daily if you please. Uh, in fact, if you take a look at the scripture we read in Daniel, we, we see this in practice. I reference this quickly so you have a biblical example to go to. We read Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. I'll read it again now. Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, the document, in essence, I'm paraphrasing here, said, don't pray to your God. That's a, that's a very much a paraphrase, but that's what the document said. There was a decree that, that, that basically said, uh, you can only pray to, to this people, to this, to this God. Uh, and Daniel said, oh, y'all are signing the document to try and, to try, try and trap me. Y'all trying to trap me. Well, what am I going to do? Even though the document was signed, Daniel continued to go to his house, which had windows. Which had windows. So Daniel walks up to the windows after the document has been signed and said, well, <laughs> I guess we're going to do this thing, y'all. So, so Daniel gets down on his knees and he prays at the windows. He closes the shades. He opens up the windows and he prays. And he prays towards Jerusalem. He doesn't do it in the lower room where maybe he doesn't do it with his voice like this. I'm just gonna pray a little bit. He goes to the top of the house where his voice will project and the windows are open. And I submit to you that he's doing this because that's what he has always done three times a day to pray to his God and praise him just as he'd done previously. Right? So 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 when his when, when his haters, if you please. When the conspirators came and they found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. So even uh, when folks explicitly said, we're going to try and get this man killed by catching him praying and passing a law that says he can't do this. Daniel still went and followed his practice. Now I know what you're thinking. That might not be the best thing to do. And if I were honest with them for myself, if I was honest with myself and with you for a moment, I don't know if I would do what Daniel did. Uh, I, I'm always preaching to myself, by the way. But I want us to just quickly understand who Daniel is. Right? I want you to understand what Daniel has been through. I want you to understand that, that, that Daniel continued to pray towards Jerusalem uh, because in the law, there's this idea of praying towards the, the, the temple. Uh, Solomon said this as he, as he consecrated the, the, the temple. There's this idea of praying towards the temple. And the temple no longer exists. The temple has been destroyed. There is no temple. Daniel is praying towards this temple as he was taught from his youth, and it doesn't exist anymore. Daniel is praying in the middle of exile. 
His city was destroyed. The temple, the very center of his worship was destroyed. And he was shipped to another place. He was shipped to uh, another country where they, they said, hey, you have to talk uh, in a different language. Daniel indeed was, was put in a prominent position in this place. He was asked to eat different food. He was asked to, to change his ways. And if you imagine Daniel one day saying, as he saw the armies approaching the city of Jerusalem, as he saw the armies approaching and he said, I imagine he prayed, Lord, keep these armies away. And the answer there was different. And I imagine that Daniel might have said, oh, God, uh, you who dwell in the temple, protect the temple. And he prayed that and the answer was different. And uh, when he went, he probably said uh, to, in prayer to God, God, help us in the midst of exile. Keep us as uh, a strong people in the midst of exile. And I imagine if you look at, as I like to reference Psalm 137, folks who said, I can't even play my harp. I can't sing the songs of Zion in a strange land. Daniel indeed walked in his life. And I suspect he did it at least three times a day. And he prayed. And he prayed and he prayed and the answer that came back was an answer that he didn't want and yet he continued to trust God because prayer for him was a lifestyle. It was a part of all that he did and who he was. Prayer was a lifestyle. It was part of his walk. Now, the Bible describes the fact that, that he prayed three times a day, but I will read into the text a little bit. This is extra textual. You don't have to agree with me. I'm not even sure if I agree with me myself, but I'm using my sanctified <laughs> imagination for a moment and saying, Daniel prayed three times, but three might as well be 30, that 30 might as well be 100, that 100 might as well be 1,000. Indeed, Daniel's practice and his lifestyle was to pray in everything that he did. And so when literally conspirators came and said, I'm going to trick the king into passing a law so the next time this man who's doing lifestyle prayer prays, I can throw him into a den of lions. That's what happened. When that happened, Daniel said, I know y'all passed this law, but I'm going to keep on praying because praying is what I do. And the Bible goes on and describes how Daniel was saved from the lion's den. And in this case, he was saved. But in all of this, he trusted and I can imagine there were times where Daniel was hurt and frustrated and tired. And it was this persistent lifestyle of prayer that allowed him to hold on and to keep going. All I'm trying to say is that it is so important for prayer to become part of our lifestyle, not an act that we do, but a part of all that we do. You are the air that I breathe, the song says. Not just an action but a part of the very makeup of our being and our walking in this life.
And that brings us to the K in talk, right? Technique, approach, uh-oh, lifestyle, and kinetic. But uh, kinetic means that we're moving about. I know we have some scientists and social scientists in the room that can tell me more than I ever know about kinetic. The idea of kinetic is that things are moving and that things have have motion. Another idea uh, of kinetic is this idea of the, the, the war euphemism, and I won't belabor the point here, but in the early 2000s, uh, the, the, the administrations around this world started talking about uh, kinetic war versus non-kinetic war. So kinetic war meant that there was actually action, right? There was fighting, there was action and movement. And non-kinetic meant that, that, that there was posturing and strategy, but there was that there was no fighting. Another way of thinking about it is like uh, a kinetic is a hot war and, and non-kinetic is a cold war. And I'm suggesting to you this morning, uh, as I'm about to close, that prayer should be kinetic. While we think of prayer as internal, uh, and it is that, right? It is also external. So we pray with our mind and we pray with our spirit, but we also, in a real sense, pray with our feet. And we pray, and in that prayer also move and act as if our prayers matter. We move and act as if we believe in our prayer. We move and act in accordance with persistence in prayer. Act as if we can and know and believe that our God is able and that the truth of the Lord might become present on earth as it is in heaven and that God might inhabit our praises and also our prayers. And we can act as if God can participate in answering our prayers. Everything we do can be rooted in God. Our very actions and our movement can be rooted in our relationship with God. Uh, how can I make this plain? I had an opportunity many moons ago to uh, go to uh, the country Tanzania uh, in East Africa, and uh, I spent uh, uh, eight weeks, I believe, uh, in a village called Mampando, a little village that was uh, about 20 miles, I believe, uh, from a town called Singida. So this little, vill this little village, uh, there was nobody in the village who spoke English. Uh, I had a couple of days of language training in Swahili, uh, and so I knew a few words, and I'd walk around talking to people in the village. Uh, I didn't speak Swahili or Nyatuda, which was actually the first language in that place. Uh, they didn't speak English. We were kind of meeting in the middle with Swahili, if you please. Um, and it's funny, in those eight weeks, I didn't know much Swahili. But as I talked to people again and again and again, the little bit of Swahili I knew in that moment became part of me. I began when I was talking with people to, 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 to think in Swahili. As I like to say, I, I might not have been able to say much. It might have sounded like broken Swahili, but I said it well. I said my, I said my broken Swahili well. And I 
said it well because I began to communicate fledgingly, but I began to communicate in that language as I attempted to walk with the people of Mampondo. And we're not going to get into a, into a conversation about how badly I did that. But the truth of the matter is, is that, that my language and my orientation changed so that I could talk with these people. And imagine, right, as I like to say, below our mother tongue, and at the very moment before we, in our, we were in the womb, God knew us and placed within us a language that we might communicate to God with. And prayer is the language with which we might learn to think. And yes, we might also need to learn how to translate it into our situation. We might need the, 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 the technique, the approach, uh, the lifestyle. But our language, our kinetic language, the, our, our very walk can be rooted in this conversation with God. Even if at the beginning we, we speak it not even as well as I spoke this way, we can come to a place where we walk with God and that everything that we do proceeds from this language. Oh, the hour is getting late, but I just want to say really quickly, what does it look like for our prayers to be kinetic? to be part of our very movement and motion. The truth of the matter is that I don't have the answer for you because that is an answer that you need to find with your God. But he died for you and he loves you and he wants to in the very nature of prayer to walk down that road with you and to discover with you how to speak that common language. I happen to believe that part of that is found uh, in, in walking with each other. I happen to believe that part of that is found in serving alongside each other and serving not because of service itself, but serving as oriented to our God, service that says our Father who art in heaven and yet also deals with the tension and the reality of doing that on earth. And that in that we might find our ability to speak, our ability to speak in our prayer language with God. God has so much for us. He will hear us as we talk with him and as we walk with him. Church, I am so excited about how God is speaking to this family and this community. And I personally want to hear more so that I can learn from you how I can better speak with God in prayer. Let's support each other. Let's encourage each other. 
as we dive as a victory family into what God has called us to. Amen. Thank you, church. And praise God. And now, just for a moment, uh, I want to give the opportunity for those who may not know the truth of Christ, or who now hear the truth, who now hear Christ calling you and saying, I love you and I've died for you, but who haven't accepted that truth yet. If that's your story, if you haven't gotten to the place where you know and have accepted that God loved you enough to die for you so that you can turn to him, uh, with every eye closed and every head bowed, uh, this is an opportunity uh, to lift your hand into the air and to declare that truth, to declare, God, I recognize that I need you. Declare that, God, I recognize that my separation from you has, has kept me away, and yet I turn and I embrace you. As I like to say, I won't belabor the point, but if there is someone who's hearing that from God right now or is hearing that in your own soul, the depths of your soul or your mind, just slip your hand into the air. Well, as you open your eyes, I want to let you know that there is always opportunity to accept the truth of God. You certainly don't have to do it here, but if you do it, I do want you to let us know so that we can walk alongside you. Uh, we indeed did have somebody who uh, accepted that and has let me know, and we are excited to walk beside him. I won't put him on the spot here, uh, but I want you to know that we are increasingly becoming a church that wants to disciple and walk alongside us as we go into the depths of a relationship with God. Church, thank you so much. You are wonderful. I love you. Thank you.